Hey revolutionaries, this is Sylvia, and you're listening to The Revolution of Wholeness. Now, before we get started with this juicy revolution making, I want you to know that The Revolution of Wholeness is brought to you by the Has Everything in Co. platform. Has Everything in Co. is a constellation of projects made by me, Sylvia, and in the Has Everything universe, we believe that we have everything we need to create the lives we most desire for ourselves, for each other, and as we build our communities and networks. There's even a book by the title, We Have Everything, that came out in March of this year that details the blueprint. Every star in the constellations produced by the Has Everything in Co. universe are steps along the way to seeing all of our dreams manifest. Welcome to the conversation. This part is the revolution of wholeness. Hey revolutionaries, it's me, Syl, here with transmission number two for the interlude season of the Has Everything podcast. That was weird. (laughs) This is not the Has Everything podcast. I'm getting my brands mixed up. This is the Revolution of Wholeness, um, which is a little baby in the Has Everything universe. But anyway, uh, as you can tell, perhaps. I'm feeling a little scattered today, a little short-circuity. I'm in a time of deep transition, y'all. And oh my God, change is hard. Transition is hard. I feel like I got the rug just swept out from under me, but like I also asked for it to be swept out from under me. And then I did not realize how shaky I would feel without my rug. And it's it's wild because change and transition, they're even harder when the thing that you're changing into or the thing that you're committing to or the new transition, whatever it is, maybe it's starting a new job, moving to a new city, whatever. It's really hard, especially when it's a higher stakes risk because you're so excited about the results it's going to give you. You're so excited about what comes on the other side of taking this risk. And it feels like there's a lot to lose. Like, it really just does. So, I don't know about y'all, but this kind of situation um, is also when I get to come up close and personal with some of the worst of my own behavior. Like, my capacity, my bad capacity or whatever you want to call it, antisocial, you know, whatever that label is that you want to give it. It always comes out in times when I feel like I don't have a rug beneath me. And it's wild. I I really am grateful that at this point in my life, I can actually pinpoint that because there was a long time where there was just no rug for so long that I was always shaky. There was a time in my life for so long that there was just never a rug, you know? And so shaky really was normal for me. And also witnessing myself at my worst was normal too. That hasn't been normal for a really long time. So when it happens recently, it's so few and far between that it also surprises me. And I'm just like, whoa, sis, sit down. Where did that come from? 
like whole ass meltdown on a Sunday afternoon. But, you know, when things like that happen, I like to spend some time in reflection. Um, And that's a tool that has definitely been tried or true for me. Because underneath that behavior, whatever you want to label it again, is likely some sort of belief that's really incongruent with whatever it is that you're saying that you want. So this thing that you want so bad that's super high stakes for you, underneath that meltdown, that kind of behavior is likely a belief that's incongruent with what you say you want. For me, that belief usually is some sort of formation of unworthiness or I'm not good enough. And for my whole life until this weekend, pretty cool. For my whole life, I just I knew that I had this belief. I was annoyed with myself for having this belief. I tried to overcompensate, you know, tried to perform my way out of people not being able to see that I had this belief, but it was in me and I didn't know how to get rid of it. And this weekend, uh, coming face to face with all of this unworthiness belief and the meltdown behavior that comes along with feeling super unsettled, ungrounded, transitional, chrysalis, if you will, it it came with it this time, at least, an opportunity to get to the root of that unworthiness because I spent so much time in reflection. And it's wild how this experience of going after this thing that I really, really want and the transition of, I, I got the thing and now... I need to maintain the thing and transitioning from somebody who is pursuing the thing to somebody who has already received the thing and is now maintaining the thing. Wow. It's a whole different ass skill set. So here I am. I'm pursuing this thing that's super high stakes for me. I really, really want it. I've received it. I'm transitioning into that maintenance zone. I don't know how to use these skills that it takes. This is big beginner energy. I also have the rug ripped out from under me. So there's not really a foundation. I need to rebuild it. And I also am dealing with this unworthiness and I'm not good enough belief. And what that belief will do is become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You see, because... Believing that I'm unworthy and not good enough. The other side of that story is that the way for me to get what I want is by being better or being perfect. And perfection is so, 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 so impossible. So impossible. And it's also just not helpful um, when it comes to trying to achieve our goals. It's actually despite potentially common belief, if you're somebody like me, it's really ineffective and antithetical to pursuing our goals. So more on that later. That's my humble musing. But 
I wrote you a poem. Well, I didn't write it for you, but I wrote it for me to go along with our humble musing. And then this time I also wrote you all some antidotes. So I have about five antidotes to share, but let's get into the poem first. We always got to save some space to get a little woo-woo. Hmm. Sunday is supposed to be a nice day, but I have so many problems. Wealthy on problems, this abundant nightmare. Blind to any solution, I scream and cry out, hoping somebody will see me and hear my true desire. The words I speak are masks, hiding the truth within, behind the guard who stands trained for war. It's war every day here. There is no true peace, just calms before the next storm, this abundant nightmare. I know I have what I need. I can change. I can sing my song. War is over. Lay down your arms. I don't know if I can take any more war pains. My reserves are empty. I don't want to give up, but I'm not sure if I believe I'm capable of even trying, let alone succeeding. I want to believe in myself. Who am I kidding? Just myself. But that even only barely. This war isn't over. It's evident here in the lines on this page. I know, I don't know, I want, I don't believe. Frustrated, I feel the urge bubbling up to ball my fists and beat myself into submission. Forcing perfection so I can smell the taste of love. My sense of smell, the closest I'll allow myself to get. It's unsafe over there, I think, but it sure does smell good. And I am so tired of being alone. I am so, so, so tired of being alone. But it's the only place I feel secure. It's the only place I have some semblance of control. I just want to break through, break free, and stop bug breaking me. I am not broken, but taking this beating is exhausting. There has to be another way than beating myself, a slow suicide by criticism. The constant narration and questioning, following every action with a slew of self-degradation, punishing myself for existing. Why did you do that? Why are you so weird? Where's your sense? Please, I'm begging you. Just shut up. (sighs) My big sister tells me, don't do that, Sylvia. And I agree. I also disagree. And so I do it, watching myself, disappointed. He asked me, to what does this self-pity originate? I am the originator, this war, this war inside of me. So I wrote this poem after my meltdown. And so for me, poetry is, is really something that can be medicinal to mental health breakdowns. Poetry really helps me to express and organize what's going on inside so then I can look at it and let it make sense. However, my co-star today did tell me, don't try to make sense of the chaos. So, you know, I don't know. (laughs) But writing the poem did help me to regulate my nervous system. There's something that Dan Siegel, one of my favorite brain scientists, says. It's called name it to tame it, which means naming your feelings can help you tame your feelings. So that's a medicinal way 
to self-soothe after a situation like that. And then I also have some other antidotes, which are preventative medicine. So, you know, whatever. We all love a good meltdown girly, I guess. Not really. Well, I love her. And I accept her. (sighs) Y'all catch that? See, that was intervention by affirmation. Anyway, take notes. Point being, I also wrote for you all some antidotes. And the antidotes are preventative medicine. So like I was saying, we do love a meltdown girly. We love and accept her. And also, I don't love the impact that meltdowns sometimes have on other people or on my nervous system. Like my adrenals are all shot and stuff now. So, you know, I like to avoid those if possible. And so I came up with five things that you can do to help you build confidence and not feel like this thing that is super high risk and you're super excited about is so out of reach that you're going to completely melt down when you make a mistake and feel like you fucked up the whole thing and it's gone forever because that's probably not true. And if it's going to be true, it's more likely to be true on the other side of the meltdown. So when you're thinking about this high-risk thing that you want, again, maybe this is moving to a new city. Maybe it is uh, having a life partner. Maybe it is getting this new job that you've been dying to have for a really long time at a company that you have had a crush on for 10 years or whatever. Whatever this thing is. The first antidote is to chunk out both the risk and the stakes. So what that means sometimes, like if you're an ADHD girly like me, then you know that if you have big goals, uh, you're going to look at that, get overwhelmed and probably go take a nap. But if you look at it and say to yourself, all right, this goal can be chopped up into multiple little goals, checkpoints along the way, boom, chakalaka all of a sudden it starts to feel really a lot more accessible and you'll start to believe in your capacity to do it. And then circling back, remember at the beginning of the podcast, we were talking about beliefs and those beliefs that you hold on the inside are really going to drive that behavior. So the more you can believe in your own capacity, the more you'll be able to show up. Now, Um, For me, like for an example, like with the partner, I do want to have a successful partnership. And I feel like if I do that, then it means that I have healed from all of my trauma. So it's like this big, huge thing in my mind, like graduation from life grad school or something, I guess. And so that's really high risk and um, high stakes for me. And it's really way too big of a risk or a stake to place on any given day. Um, And I didn't really think about the fact that I could think about this big desire that I want that way, that it is made up of the many days of interaction between myself and somebody else. And there's even like hourly risks and stakes on the way to making the big one happen, like giving your partner a snuggle or a kiss on the way to the bathroom. That's like really basic, but you all know what I mean. 
Yeah, you know, there might be also like higher risk and bigger stakes things that aren't as big as the whole goal as well, like something a little bit less basic and corny, like committing to repair after conflict instead of just like pretending it's not happening, etc. So regardless, you know, and you can apply this to any of your big desires. Maybe you've always wanted to move to London or something. Um, and if you're like me and you're struggling with this unworthiness belief, chunk it out. Because even if you don't believe in your capacity, breadworthiness, to achieve the big desire, you can definitely chunk it out small enough that you can believe in your capacity to show up for chunk after chunk after chunk. Now, next one is give yourself things that make you feel like you have structure and expectation in your life. One of the things about these high risk, high reward, but high scary things that we pursue and sometimes we get and then we have to figure out how to maintain is that it's actually really a lot less about the maintenance and more about your ability to show up for the ebbs and flows of whatever that high risk thing is. So if this is really important to you and there's a lot of risk involved, yeah, so you want to reserve more of your energy for the ebbs and flows of whatever this high risk, high reward thing is. Because if you fumble the football on that thing, it's just going to feel so much more devastating than if you fumble the football on something else. So manage your football fumbles, feel me? But on the flip side of that, you know, automate as many things in your life as you can and give them regularity and that will create more space for you to be able to be resilient and responsive to the ebbs and flows of whatever this high risk thing is. So that means things like eating breakfast every day at the same time, going to sleep and waking up every day at the same time, going to the gym every single day at the same time. Find things that you can automate and if they're automatable, do it. Any of the things that you're doing for the maintenance of the machine of your body or the machine of your mind, then automate it. Now, this is not necessarily something you need to be doing all the time for every stretch of your life. But if you're in like big beginner mode at something that's high stakes for you, that's going to necessarily be stressful. It is going to necessarily rock the boat, okay? And you're going to feel a little bit more dysregulated than usual. So this is something where you'll know how long you need to do it for, and you'll know when you're starting to feel settled to the extent that you can switch things up and get a little bit more organic. But those automations and routines, also known as rituals, they help. And the more of them that you have, the more experiences you end up having with the vibe of security, expectation, expectation being met, etc. All right, we got three more to go. So the other one is do this with other people, period. Community really helps. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but we have this thing in our brains called mirror neurons. They're super awesome. It's the I see, I do function. If you've ever been holding a tiny baby and you stick your tongue out at them, you know what they do back. They stick their tongue out at at you. And they're not doing that because they're consciously thinking, oh, this is cute. Let's play a game. It's just a literal jerk reaction that they have. 
because their first nature is to really listen to those mirror neurons. And these mirror neurons, they make our brains really wired for socialness. It's the way that we learn. If you can think back to when you were a kid, if you ever heard your parents say, do as I say, not as I do, never works, never works. And that's because of mirror neurons. Modeling is the number one way that humans learn. So when you do these kinds of high-risk things alongside other people that are also doing that in a community, it can make it better. So basically, that was a fancy way of saying find a support group. If you are new in a city, new at the job, maybe find an affinity group that you can join. Uh, for either new hires or maybe like a uh, identity-based affinity group. Up to you. But find some other people who are having a similar experience with the first that you're having and talk to them about it. Being seen helps. Being heard helps. And again, we learn by the modeling of other people. Now, the second two are going to be new additions thanks to my learnings in 2023, because prior to this year, I would have stopped there. I would have stopped at these kind of more brain science, nervous system-y, biology hack things, which I'm still a biology hack nerd. Don't get me wrong, but I have been taught to be a yoga teacher now, and I, I have really expanded my understanding of breath, movement, mindfulness. And so I have two more for you um, around mind mindfulness and breath work. So a mindfulness practice is going to be really, really helpful for regulation of your nervous system in these kinds of uncertain moments as well. Um, I know people love talking about mindfulness and how great it is. And I just want to say that one of the things that mindfulness does help with, it supports you in discerning between what is the whirling dervishes of your mind and what's actually reality. We all have this thing that in yoga we call the whirling dervishes. And it's all these like voices, blah, 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 blah. You know, or maybe some people don't have voices. They have like vibes that are chaotic. But regardless, it's that chaotic feeling that you feel in your mind and your body um, when you feel like you're ready to flip out or just lose it. And sometimes we can catch those whirling dervishes before they actually get to that flip out space. We can give them the honor that they need, validate them in whatever way that they need to be validated, and let them go with peace. And mindfulness doesn't just have to be like putting your calm app on and vibing out. It could also be journaling, movement. Y'all know I love a good yoga class. Um, right now I'm really in a hot yoga moment, and that has really been doing it for me. But Regardless, something that can support you in being aware of what's actually real and what's the whirling dervishes. And just like the stillness of a pond, the only way for you to do that is to actually sit still, take a moment, let the sand and the dust settle to the bottom. So mindfulness, last one, breath work, pranayama. So this is the practice of really harnessing and changing the patterns of your breath so that you can change your energetic state and regulate your nervous system. 
So these two work really, really powerfully together because the mindfulness practice allows you to be aware of your energetic state. And if it's actually, if it's actually congruent with reality or not, and the breath practice will actually empower you to change it. So I'm going to share with you all one of my favorites, which is box breathing. Box breathing is you inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and hold for another four. And this is a really great breath work activity for you to downregulate your nervous system. So if you're feeling really up and explosive or maybe implosive, but just like really big feelings, high heart rate, maybe sweating a little bit, maybe feeling a little bit foggy or out of touch, then this kind of breath can really support you in bringing it back. So I will lead you all through one Surgeon General's warning. If you are operating heavy machinery, do not do this practice uh, with your eyes closed. (sighs) But if you're sitting down, you know, you might consider closing your eyes and allowing yourself to just pull back from your senses for a moment. So inhaling for four, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. You can do that as many times as you need to feel calmer and Just return back to your normal breathing afterward and notice how the state of your body is feeling. All right, revolutionaries, that is it for the transmission tonight. I do want to leave you with a couple of announcements. I am hosting a virtual vision boarding party and workshop on December 23rd at 11 a.m. Pacific. I think that's what, 11, 12, 1, 2 p.m. Eastern. And so, yeah, that's Christmas Eve Eve, as Eloise would say. If you know, you know. And it's also free. There's going to be a bunch of really cool opportunities for you to tap into the Has Everything universe if you've been curious about it and what the heck this project is um, at that event. It is virtual, so you can zoom in from anywhere. Um, It's free. You will receive a really cool Canva resource that I created for you to use as a template for vision boarding, as well as a method for vision boarding that I think is going to be really successful. And if you're listening still, you're still with us this long, here's the secret. Not a single thing that I put on my vision this January didn't manifest. Every single thing down to the T is right here. In 2024, I will be manifesting, maintaining it. Uh, Anyway, point being, it's all here. And so I would really love to share with you all the method that I used, share with you more about the Has Everything universe, and invite you to join the community. So, to infinity and so far beyond, and all the way back. XOXO, that's Earth Mother's Day.